Game of Thrones Season 5 is over, but we are just getting started here on the Game of Thrones Feedback Show on Post Show Recaps. And now, here are the two guys who are back from podcast death. I'm Rob Sisman, here's Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I'm alive, so I'm good. I'm better than certain people. The Lord of Light has brought the podcast back. Oh, man. Well... Hopefully, that's what's going to happen on the show. Hopefully, that's where we're going. Yes, because you are all in on this. I, I am. I'm all in to the point where I feel like um, I didn't... I feel like I've gotten... Um, I, I feel bad. Like, have I gotten people's hopes up, do you think? Oh, yeah, you definitely have. <laughs> because, Josh, I was away for a couple of days, but I have been following your many writings in, yeah. your, in your day job at MTV.com all of the writing that you have done, and you've actually been very prolific about this, all of the different signs about wh- how Jon Snow is coming back. Can, can you talk about this? Because I think that this is sure. stuff that has really come to pass since we finished the show on Sunday night, but you have been a wealth of information about all this. Well, look, I mean, it, listen, I, I understand people who felt that we did not come on to the show on, on Sunday night during the live podcast, and we perhaps did not grieve Jon Snow the way that many people were mourning him. But that's because I've lived with this knowledge for four years. You know, this was how Jon's chapter ends, his final chapter in A Dance with Dragons ends with him getting stabbed. And it's actually even worse the way he gets stabbed in the books. Uh, but pretty quickly after that, theories started developing online as to why he couldn't possibly be dead for good, and there's ways to bring him back, and yada, yada, yada. So that's the reality that I've lived with for four years, so it's hard for me to take it too seriously that he's actually dead. I really don't think that he's dead. So I've been writing about it. I've been writing about it a lot on MTV.com, as you said. Uh, I've written, um, I, writ- I wrote an article about the, the seven or so reasons why Jon Snow can't be gone for good, uh, there's been some some chatter. I, after I wrote that article, I got a lot of comments from people saying, look at his eyes. Look at his eyes. Before the show ends, his eyes change colors. And I stared in front of my TV watching the scene over and over again for like 20 minutes just watching his face. And it does look like his eyes change colors. And it looks like I, I can't tell if it's a trick of the light or if it's intentional. And then I've seen some people talking about like the blood that's pooling out of his back is turning different shapes. So I'm losing my mind. I'm yeah. losing my mind a little bit. <laughs> You're um, too, you've gotten too close I'm to it. I'm too close. I'm too into it right now. Uh, but I, I wrote an article about that where I, I talked about his eyes. And I admit in the article, as I'm admitting right now, that it's very possible that I'm just going insane. Yeah. Uh, there might be nothing here. But I swear I've seen it. Uh, and if you go and you look, you'll see, you'll see that there's something, something goes on with those eyes. Whether or not it actually changes into anything significant is another story. But I'm really deep in the death of Jon Snow right now, and I'm heavily invested in his resurrection. Somewhere in between where you were on Sunday night and now probably is like the right frame of mind. I do, yeah. think, I do think you probably went a little too far over the wall. Oh, I went real far <laughs> over the wall. And I'm not even done. I'm abs- as soon as we're done recording this, I've got another Jon Snow article to write. So I'm I'm way in Jon Snow. Right now. <laughs> I am I am deep into you, Jon Snow. I've warged into Jon Snow. All right. So I'm sure we will have a lot of questions about that here on the voicemail show. Of course, also, Josh, you had one more book club for this season as well, correct? We did. We did have one more book club. It was great to close that out with Terry Schwartz. People have asked if the book club is going away because there is no Winds of Winter on the horizon just yet. That's the sixth book in the series, and it hasn't been published. Uh, So if season six comes without that book being published, 
Is there even a purpose to having the book club? And Terry and I will still do it. We'll figure out a way. Uh, and in fact, we're gonna we're gonna try and do some some off season podcasts in between seasons, like we did last time. So the book club isn't going away. But that's it for for the proper season. We did our our final season five podcast, uh, and it was very sad, but it was very fun as well to talk about uh, all the reactions to John's death and everything else that happened in the show. So, what is going to be the next Game of Thrones podcast here on the post show recaps? Well, we've got today's feedback show, yes. of course. Yes. Uh, I'm also I'm going to reconnect with Antonio Mazzaro and Jessica Lee, who have both done some really great Game of Thrones podcasting here, both on Post Show Recaps and also on uh, website.com. Uh, you and Jessica did a great Amazing Race Game of Thrones podcast, so I'll be talking to them. It was awkward, their- the Amazing Race podcast we did, because us, well, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to tip it. I don't want to give spoilers if anybody hasn't listened to no it. No spoilers. But th- it probably would have turned out differently had we had seen all of the episodes that were going to be in the season. If only you'd read the books, Rob. <laughs> Jessica read the books. Yeah, well, she's trying to preserve the cover. She's doing a good job. She's great. She really is. She knows how to do it. Uh, so I'll, ch- I'll check in with those guys because I'm sure that they've got tons of thoughts and they've done such a great job with, the, with covering the show and the ways that they've covered it this season that I really think that they deserve a final say as well. So we'll get together. We'll talk about that. And then after that, Rob, after that, The Throners. We'll yes. Okay. And I'm very pumped about The Throners this year. It's award season. Oh, Josh, my, my mail here, I've been getting raven after raven of, oh, you know, here's a, you know, Jamie Lannister for your consideration. Yep. All this stuff that you just A lot of campaigning, a lot of politicking going on right now. Yes, a lot of politicking going through. We got the hard home DVD stacked up. It's insane. It's insane. Lots of screeners. <laughs> lots of screeners. Lots of stuff to watch. Lots so, of people submitting their reels. Yeah, the throners are coming up, and the throners are not voted on by the Academy, but by the listeners of the post show recaps. That's right. Yeah, this is this is all on you guys. Uh, we we open this up entirely to you people who have uh, uh, I don't I don't even know what the word is. You've stuck around with what Rob and I have had to say about this show for a long time, so you must be able to endure a fair share of nonsense. And the Throners is pure nonsense, but it's your nonsense. You get to choose who wins and who dies at the Throners. It's going to be a really fun time. Uh, I'm. We had an awesome time when we did it for the first time after season four, and I'm. Pretty pumped up about what we've got in store for, for the season five throwers. Okay. Should be a lot of fun. Can't wait for that. That is going to be live on Tuesday night, June 30th. Yeah. And you can vote at thethroners.com or throners.com. Go there and vote and make it happen, people. They it's both work. It's bulletproof. Bulletproof. But not not knife proof. <laughs> not knife proof. Not knife proof. All right, Josh. So let me know where are we going to start here today talking about Game of Thrones season five finale? Where do you think we're going to start? Uh, I think we got really start. only one place. Okay, we're gonna... there's only there, there's only one spot. It's I haven't left the I haven't left the wall, Rob. I'm still I'm still on the wall. We're gonna have to start there. Uh, there's just no way of starting anywhere else. Okay, start us up. All right, so let's start at the wall. And so let's let's take um let, let's take the whole Jon Snow issue. Let's let's start from uh, a less skeptical place. Let's let's talk about Jon Snow as though. He is actually not maybe dead, but is actually dead and is not coming back. This is a voicemail from Liam who wants to get your take on this, Rob. Okay, here we go. Here is Liam. Hey, Rob and Josh. It's Liam from North Carolina. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I was almost moved to tears by the death of my favorite character, Jon Snow, in a way so reminiscent of Julius Caesar, with Ollie taking on the role of Brutus. After the credits rolled, 
I was left staring at my own stunned reflection in my TV screen while I processed what happened. But my best friend immediately started spinning his yarn about all sorts of theories that Jon Snow isn't actually dead, or at least isn't finished with the show just yet. Since I know Josh shares these views, my question is for Rob. What is the over-under on Jon still having a part to play going forward? Is there unfinished business, or are my best friend and Josh just stuck in the denial stage of the grieving process? Love the podcast. Would love to hear your thoughts. Incidentally, Liam, I've also just been staring at my stunned reflection in the TV screen ever since the Game of Thrones finale. Right. You know, this is a tough thing to deal with. And I almost feel like in some ways, you know, talking about is Jon Snow not really dead, I do think diminishes the Game of Thrones finale because had the books not been out there, had this been something that hadn't happened in the books, I feel like that maybe it would be much more, oh my God, he's dead. Whereas opposed to very quickly thereafter, a lot of people have come out and said, well, we'll see. We'll see about that. Not, right. well, not quite. And The show wants us to think he's dead. Yes, they want us to think that he's dead. Kit Harrington wants us to think he's dead. The producers want us to think he's dead. Yeah, I don't think he's dead. I really don't just because of there's so many reasons why he can't be dead there's so much unfinished business with his character i don't know who list them out what what what's the unfinished business in your opinion okay well i'd say the biggest of which is everything going on at the wall if john snow is gone i'm not sure how we tell that story anymore sam is gone i don't know who is going to be the character who we are looking at as our protagonist in that story of the Ollie. wall. Okay, Ollie is going to be our point of view character yeah, in the next book. Ollie's going to be our POV character at the wall. Come on. Ollie's not even the same person in, in the book. But he's going to be on the show. I guess he's going to be on the show. Yeah, so Ollie... He's going to go into John's office. He's going to pick up Longclaw and he's going to save Westeros from the White Walkers. I guess so. But Isn't that going to be the best show of all time? It should be. I mean, there's so much mythology about Jon Snow and I just can't imagine that we'd come this far along. Just like I don't think that we could lose Tyrion. I don't think that we could lose Daenerys. I think in our power rankings of Game of Thrones characters, the dragon has three heads, Josh. And those That's three right. heads are Daenerys, Tyrion, and Jon Snow, in my opinion. And I'm talking about simply in terms of the storytelling of the show. Those are the three characters that you cannot lose. Yeah, at least not until the end. Until the end, season seven or the last book, anything is possible. But I feel like we there's just so much of the story that's been invested in those characters. And I think that if you were going to round out a top five baby, I think then you put Sansa and Arya in the mix also. But I feel like that those are the biggies. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, I, I don't disagree with you. I really don't. Uh, no, I, I, I think that I think that that's that's pretty on. Those are those are my three as well as John and Danny and Tyrion are really the three central players in this story. Yeah, Arya's phenomenal and Sansa's phenomenal, but um, I don't think that they're pivotal in the overarching story that's going on with the White Walkers and the dragons and everything like that. I feel like that's really at the crux of the story. And as we started Game of Thrones on a fairly grounded level for a show about you know fantasy world and you know seasons that last forever. Uh, you know, it was a fairly grounded, lots of lots of politically motivated characters, epic betrayals that were truer to real life than you would see in something like Lord of the Rings. I do feel like we are moving closer to Lord of the Rings type of territory now. Certainly with Hardhome, you see the Night's King resurrecting an army of the dead. We've seen dragons flying, roasting people alive. 
So the show is starting to move into that stuff more and more. And I think as we are starting to get into that kind of high fantasy end game, I feel like Jon Snow has a pivotal role to play in that. And I think that some sort of undead, resurrected Jon Snow is going to be a really great character to see in the mix of all that. And I think that that's where we're going. And if that's not where we're going and Jon Snow is really dead, I've got a lot of grieving to do. Uh, But it, it hasn't started yet. Not to mention all of the business and the mythology about who is Jon Snow's parents and yes. everything that's going on with that. It's that just... would be it would be really difficult to to close the door on the Jon Snow storyline without really touching on that at all. Um, and you know there are there are plenty of theories about who Jon's true parents are. Uh, I don't know how aware of those theories you are, Rob. Oh, I'm very aware. You're very Highly aware. aware. Highly aware. How much of that would you care to share on the show if you feel like any of that should be shared at all? I think that there is plenty of material that has been written about that online. And I feel like that plenty of stuff, whether it's a comic book girl 19 and, and stuff like that, which has informed me about a lot of these ideas that is available that I don't know if we need to necessarily spoil that stuff for people who don't want to know about it. So right. I will leave it up to them. But I think that Google some searches now that Google is your friend. <laughs> yeah. About- Google's your friend on this one. But there's there are super, super, super compelling theories about who John's parents are that really heavily indicate that this guy's got more business to deal with here. Yeah. And I don't think that that was going to spoil anything. If you want to Google who are John Snow's parents, I think that that's not going to give you anything that is going to if you want to know that information. Yeah. No, it's it's listen, it's still all speculation. It could end up being something very very different. I don't think it will. Uh but it's nothing that's been confirmed for book readers or anything. It's just clues that people have put together and once you hear the theory, kind of hard to imagine anything else. So go seek it out if you want to. It's a long off season. You can you can go uh inform yourself on that kind of thing. Yeah. All right. What do you think about the next question? All right, the next question, well, just to kind of riff on this, this was a question written into us by James F. James F. writes in, if John isn't dead... James Franco? James Franco, he loves our podcast. James Franco writes in, so if John isn't dead and they bring him back somehow, what was the point of killing him? Does something change? Does he gain insight into something? Um, So what do you think about this, Rob? Let's say John does come back from this situation. What's new? What's new with John? Well... I'm not sure exactly how John will be changed, but I think that this is going to sort of be the concrete evidence that maybe Jon Snow is somebody who fulfills a prophecy, that being of Azora High. Yeah. Wow. Look at you dropping the Azora High bomb. Can you set up what that is so I don't sound like a total moron trying to explain that? <laughs> you sounded great. I loved it. Uh, but, but who he is, is he is... Um, the show doesn't deal too much with prophecy. Uh, that kind of aspect of the mythology is really relegated to the books. But in the world of the books, and the world of the books is, uh, if not exactly the same as the world of the show, then it's very similar. Um, there is a, a, a prophesied hero, an ancient hero named Azora High, who fought during... Uh, the days of the of the long night from long ago when White Walkers were decimating the land thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. This hero who had this magical sword who cut down the White Walkers and saved the day and then faded away into obscurity. This figure is thought of as a true, true legend, not just in, in Westeros, but in the lands beyond. There are different versions of the Azor Ahai story. Um, 
And within the narrative, within Game of Thrones, there are people who say that Azor Ahai will return, that he will be reborn somehow, that he will be, uh, he will present himself again in the modern day when we need him the most. And so a lot of readers and a lot of fans of the show, they wonder who is going to fulfill that prophecy. And a lot of people think that it's going to be John. Well, Melisandre had been telling Stannis that he was the prince that was promised yes. and that he was the one who was going to fulfill that prophecy. And as we saw in this finale, it does not look like Stannis will be that prince that was promised. Yeah, it does not appear that way. It does not, but it didn't appear that way to begin with. I mean, it's just, it's Stannis. Stannis is really going to be the guy that saves our necks. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how I feel about it. Well, that. that's what Melisandre was telling him of like, oh, Stannis, you're Azor High. You're right. the prince that was promised. It's your destiny to save us from the White Walkers and everything like that. And so he was like, yeah, oh, I could totally see that. You're right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That you're, makes sense to me. You're totally right about that. Yeah. But could it in fact be Jon Snow? Yeah, I would say yes. I would say I would say yes. That's that's where my money is at. I think that he's he's the guy. You don't have that lingering shot between him and the Night's King unless those are the two guys that are going to go to battle at one of these points. Uh, so I think again, unfinished business. Too much unfinished business. If not him, then who? Ollie. Yes. Sam. Ollie. Who? Ollie. Ollie. Who's the prince that was promised? Ollie. It's Ollie. It's Ollie. Oh no. <laughs> That son of a bitch. I think, <laughs> I think he's the guy. I think he's the one. I think okay. it's Ali. Uh, all right, let's take a voicemail from Natalie Kuchik, who wants to talk about the interviews that Kit Harrington and the producers have uh, been giving about Game of Thrones and what it might mean for season six. Hey, y'all, this is Natalie from Chicago. So after the episode, the creators gave an interview saying John is dead, there's nothing ambiguous about the ending. Then Kit gave an interview saying, John is dead, I won't be back next season. Some fans are taking that to mean he won't be in season six, but he will be back for season seven. Kind of like how Bran was not in season five, but he is coming back for season six. Would love to hear your thoughts on this, and if you think there could be a season without the wall. Hmm. All right. What's your take on this? There, There's these interviews with Entertainment Weekly that Kit Harrington gave and the producers gave, and they talked about how, uh, I believe Kit's exact words are, uh, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm not coming back next season. Could there be a season of Game of Thrones without the wall? And could John return somehow in season seven? Could this be the, uh, the numbers loophole? Do the showrunners have to do interviews? I mean, could I they just <laughs> not say, just say, look, what was on the screen was on the screen. Right. It, this is not for us to explain to you our show. Yeah. Yeah, they could. Is anybody going to not watch Game of Thrones if the showrunners don't go out there and give interviews? They are famously cagey. They are famously um, press shy, actually. David Benioff and Dan Weiss and selective about who they do give inter- interviews to. Uh, and I, it, it seems like the Entertainment Weekly interview was some sort of uh, brokered arrangement with HBO. Mm-hmm. That you seems know. to be the case. I recently heard uh, Bill Simmons and Chuck Klosterman talk about this on a podcast talking about how showrunners talk too much and maybe longing for the old days when like David Chase like wouldn't say anything about what was going on on The Sopranos. And I do think in some ways maybe that would be better if the showrunners just wouldn't talk. Jon Snow or Kit Harrington just say, you know, as a, you know, from what I've been told, I'm not on the show. Right. That's it. Right. And we don't have to speculate about what the showrunners are saying and doing because then when he comes back, liars, 
then they look like liars. They're like, well, we had to lie because, well, you didn't, you didn't have to do an interview. You didn't have to lie either. <laughs> yeah. You could have just said, I don't know. It looks dead to me. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Because to the people that are going to be really surprised if Jon Snow isn't dead, I feel like they're not reading those interviews anyway. Right. Probably true. So I'm not sure exactly why they need to do that. I just hate when we have to go out there and then be deceptive about something and then come back and say, well, fooled you or I couldn't say anything then, but I, have, I can tell you the truth now because then yeah. I feel like it hurts credibility. Yeah, totally. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people are getting hung up on this thing that Kit says of I'm not coming back next season. Like the dead is dead that, that Dan Weiss says and Kit Harrington says, I'm dead, I'm dead, he's dead. Uh, I buy all of that. I do think Jon Snow is dead. I think that he'll come back. And so this part that Kit's saying about uh, he's, uh, he's not coming back next season, don't get so hung up on that. It's a filthy lie. He's paid to lie to you. He's being paid to lie to you right now. Yeah, it's all, it's all a lie. The wall will be there next season. The wall has to be there next season. Don't you think there's too much going on at the wall that we couldn't go a full season without the wall at this point? Mm-hmm. Even Tywin Lannister, who got killed in the end of last season, still made an appearance in this season. Yeah, and he even said that ahead of time. He's like, I'll be back for like a minute. Uh, you know, I'm, I still got stuff to do on, on Game of Thrones. Yeah. I also saw another article where they were talking about the season seven salary structure and how yes. Kit Harrington is in that top tier of salary structure for season seven. But how is that possible if he goes dead? Yeah. So that was the question that was asked to Kit Harrington in the Entertainment Weekly article. And you can like you can read it off the page like you can feel him getting fired up and being like, I hate that article. I hate the salary article. I'm dead. I'm not coming back. Mm -hmm. I feel like he was like flustered and gave an angry answer. I would have asked him if I was the interviewer. So are you saying that if you are in season seven of Game of Thrones, you will not get paid? Yeah. You will do it for free. Yeah, if you show up in season seven of Game of Thrones. Like, uh, <gasps> what? <laughs> can we no, can we talk? No. Can we talk? Can we talk off the record? <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can, can we take that pot back? Snow way. Snow way. <laughs> yeah, there's snow way Jon Snow is dead. Come on. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Or at least that he's permanently. What dead. about Most, mostly? Dead. What about some people saying that he cut his hair? I love that. I love that. All he had to do was cut a strand of hair, and that line is correct. Yeah. That, that editor's note. Shortly after this, Kit Harrington cut his hair. He just had to cut one piece of hair, and that's correct. Wow. Stop it. Okay. Stop right. screwing with me, Game of Thrones. I don't like it. <laughs> Enough with the lies. Uh, you've been very affected by all of this. Very affected. I'm touched. <laughs> I've been touched by this. Yeah. yeah, I get angry. I get angry. I hate this. This is one of my least favorite things that people do, and I really don't like that Game of Thrones is doing this. It goes back to um, uh, it, I I talked about this on the book club show, so I'm repeating myself for people who listen to that podcast. But it goes back to like Star Trek Into Darkness. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen that movie and you plan to, but I still think that this is a stupid spoiler, not really even a spoiler. Benedict Cumberbatch. He spends a year saying he's playing this dude named John Harrison. J.J. Abrams says, no, there's no con in our movie. His name's John Harrison. You get like a quarter of the way into the movie and Benedict Cumberbatch is totally playing con. Stop it. Stop lying to me. None of these lies. Jon Snow might be dead right now, but stop telling me he's not coming back next season. Yeah, not to go off on a tangent on that, but I think that more people would have wanted to see the movie if it was like, oh, con is in this movie. Absolutely. 
and, and I, I kind of personally feel like it's a little bit of a misfire to end season five without a glimmer of hope that John is coming back to begin with. Yeah, I feel, I feel like it's such, that's such a, a depressing note to end such a depressing season on that a lot of people, I feel like the response that I've seen from a lot of people is like, too much, not, I, not again, no more, you keep screwing with me, Game of Thrones, I don't like that. Whereas if they had ended with a little glimmer of hope that maybe something is going on, I think that gets you amped up for season six. That's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I've got problems. Rob. <laughs> yeah. in, in so many ways, I have problems. Uh, <laughs> people have problems with Ghost, Rob. We got a lot of questions in about Ghost. A uh, question from Dave Baker, from Zaya, from Danielle Klug, and I will, I will read Danielle's, but it's all the same version. Uh, where was Ghost when Jon Snow was attacked? Ghost has been so protective, but this time he was nowhere to be found. What do you think happened? Where was Ghost? Well... The thing about Ghost is that I have, at least I've he read likes, this. He likes Sam more than John. It's not that he likes Sam more than John. I think that Sam maybe happened to be where Ghost was. I think that they make Ghost be penned up. I think a lot of people don't like him. From what I was, from what I had read, one of the things that at least that was from the books was that Stannis's wife was scared of Ghost, and they had to keep her penned up or keep is, Ghost is a boy or girl. Ghost is a boy. What? And so I apologize, Ghost. And so Ghost you had to be had to be penned up. And you would probably think that these guys who were going to come up with this plot to kill Jon Snow might have said, Hey, before we kill Jon Snow, why don't we make sure that his wolf ends up being someplace where he can't kill us? Whereas right. the guys who were gonna rape Gilly. They didn't have, it wasn't a premeditated, hey, let's go rape Gilly tonight. Oh, by the way, let's go. Oh, for, before we do that, let's go make sure the wolf doesn't get us. Right. They, that, that was just sort of like a spur of the moment type idea. Yeah. So this was premeditated, you would think. They're probably lucky that, you know, Ghost didn't get killed. Do you think Ghost got killed? No, I don't. I mean, they killed they killed Grey Wind at the Red Wedding. Wouldn't you think that that would be the move? You would think so, but you would do that after you kill Jon Snow. Okay, so you think that that's like going to be the first scene of season six and it's going to be like Ghost's Great Escape and it's going to be like a Homeward Bound type of thing. <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah, they forgot about Ghost. But you would think yeah. that you wouldn't kill Ghost, Ghost before meets you up kill with Shadow and Chance and Sassy and they all go out on a great adventure together. Yes, I like that. Who voices Ghost? I would say Tom Hanks. I like that. Yeah. John, I'm sorry! <laughs> I'm sorry, John. He would have a lot of pathos, I think. He'd be great. Yeah. I like that a lot. So I think that you would kill Ghost after you kill Jon Snow. Because I think Ghost, at the very least, is going to let out like a big, ow. Yeah, you would think so. (laughs) You would think so. And then Jon Snow's like, oh, oh, crap. Oh, Ghost. Ghost. Yeah. You kill Ghost after. I think that's right. Yeah. And so I think that's what they did. I think they had to have had some contingency of like, okay, let's make sure the, the wolf doesn't get us. Okay. All right. Let's take a voicemail from our good buddy, Matt Campbell, who sees a silver lining in the death of Jon Snow, who is rooting for the death of Jon Snow. A silver dragon lining? Silver dragon line. Okay. This is from Matt. Hey, Sir Robert Strong and Grandmaster Pie Josh. Matt Campbell here. (laughs) That's hot pie, Josh. I, for one, am pretty happy that Jon Snow is out of the picture because it presents a great opportunity for someone else. At Castle Black, the wildlings severely outnumber the Night's Watch. All the wildlings need to do is take the black before the next election, and boom, 1-1 is your new Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. 
Get your finger off that fan fiction button, Rob. One One Doyle rules. All right. <laughs> Is this great news for One One Doyle? What are the numbers right now between the wildlings Jon Snow brought back and the guys on the Night's Watch? I think it's a lot to a little. There's more people from the Night's Watch than there are the wildlings? No. I think it's the other way around. I yeah. think Jon brought a ton of wildlings. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, what it, that's what it looks like to me. I mean, we know that the numbers are thin at the Watch. Not much more than a you know, 100, maybe 200. I don't think even that many. Um, John, when he comes back from Hardhome, has a big posse of wildlings with him. Uh, the wildlings outnumber the watch, I feel like, pretty significantly. Okay, well, I'm all on board for the wildlings taking over the wall. Yeah, that would be great. End the watch, and now the watch is ended. What's the, what's the first order of business with 1-1 uh, as new Lord Commander? 1-1 takes Thorn and Ollie and knocks their heads together and smashes and they just them explode. like a pair of symbols. Yeah, they just explode. <laughs> you don't think that it's it's fair to give? Um, shouldn't Ollie just be like tossed to the Thens so the Thens can finish their business? <laughs> if the Thens have unfinished business with Ollie, then that's fine. Yeah, so that would be good, right? I think that would be fine. I'm totally okay with the wildlings manning the wall. Yeah, they can have th- it. So what do you expect the fallout is going to be? And how immediate do you think it is? Because the wildlings are only there by the good grace of John. John is dead. Uh, John is at the very least sidelined. What is their reaction to this going to be? How quickly is it going to get violent? And what is the aftermath going to look like? Well, I wonder if Thorne is going to mount an offensive against the wildlings now. You think that he's just going to immediately lead the charge? Like phase one. Kill John. Phase two, kill Ghost. Phase three, kill Wildlings. All in one night. You would think so. Wow. Not all in one night, but after that, I mean, what is he going to do with the Wildlings? I mean, his whole reason for killing Jon Snow was he let the Wildlings in. So I think that he probably is going to march on the Wildlings and say, like, uh, get back on your side of the fence. Right. I think that that's a piece of this that we haven't really given enough thought to and enough uh enough talking about um and and this is why you know terry terry schwartz on on the book club show she posited that maybe season six could move away from the wall and we don't have to go back there until season seven and you just start to hear about what's going on in the wall and other corners of westeros i really don't think you can do that because we're at such a boiling point at the wall not only are the white walkers coming and they're probably on their way pretty soon uh we have this very combustible situation here with John taken out of the mix and the Wildlings not trusting the Night's Watch to begin with without Jon Snow, the Night's Watch hating the Wildlings, like, that's going to boil over, you got to think, that night. Like, I feel like the next thing that we see in Season 6 with the Wall is going to be minutes later. That's my, that's my prediction, is that it's not going to take a lot of time for the next thing to happen with the Wall, and it's going to be pretty violent pretty quickly. Right. Like, it would be hard to imagine a scenario where Sometime in season seven, we're seeing that Davos and Melisandre are sitting there with a zombie Jon Snow and that they're like, uh, like, oh, like we really, this was, we dragged him very far to get away from that wall. Right. Can't imagine that we're going to have like a big time jump. No, I don't think so. Uh, and, I, and I feel like it's, I, I feel like Jon will be back on his feet by the end of the premiere. Okay. I agree. That's, I would, that's if, my call. If I was a betting man, I think I would say that sounds... That sounds plausible. That sounds plausible. Uh, speaking of Davos and Melisandre, our buddy R. Philly wrote in, Davos has been the outspoken opponent of Melisandre and her fire god, much to his own detriment, ever since we were introduced to Stannis and his entourage. 
with both of them at the wall and Stannis not there to protect his priestess anymore, what's the Onion Knight going to do with her if and when he discovers what went down at Winterfell? What do you think of Davos and Melisandre at the wall? How is that going to shake out? Unlikely pair. <laughs> Unlikely pair. Yeah. I wonder if Melisandre is going to spin a yarn about what actually happened of like, oh my God, we were attacked by, uh, on all sides, so I had to run for it and I got to the wall. Maybe that's what she's going to say. And I don't know who's going to ever dispute that claim. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't need to necessarily give the details of like, actually, I told Stannis, funny story. <laughs> you know, Shireen, I had this crazy idea that and I just thought, hear me out because yeah. I think it makes sense. So, you know that thing about King's blood? Yeah. You know that thing? Well... Shireen, I thought, was uh, the blood of the king and what the Lord of Light needed a sacrifice. <laughs> so I think if she could just say, like, oh my God, they were everywhere. I, I had I was able to get get away. I don't think Stannis made it. Yeah. Like So you think you think they can get over this? They can build a bridge and get over it? Yeah, I mean it's but it's gonna as- require some lying. It's going to require a lot of lying. And then Davos could be like, uh, oh, Lady Melisandre, are you okay? Like, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. You know, it's a little hairy there for a minute. But, you know, we made it. We made it. Great. <laughs> yeah. So I'm fine. I'll be okay. I'm fine. Thanks for asking. You know, I know we've always been on the wrong foot, but I'd like to start over. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm sure. Yeah, me too. Me too. After everything you've been through. Sure. Yeah crazy that they're all dead and it's really you and i we only have each other now yeah totally yeah so maybe at some point then davos like figures out what was going on but who's gonna tell him yeah yeah who's around they all left uh or are dead everybody in stannis's army including presumably stannis himself you would think so and maybe that's the only piece of business that might lead to the maybe stannis is alive uh, yes. I've been saying that I think Stannis is dead. But I have too. But that, that's that one piece of business that's still out there of the betrayal of Stannis by Melisandre. You know, yeah. this is a show that loves to get its vengeance and everything like that. You know, Stannis does have a score to settle with Melisandre. Yeah, I got to say, the, every day that I get away from this finale, I start to think more and more that Stannis might have survived. He might have you know, survived. We failed, we failed to see any reasons Brienne might have to keep him alive um, at the time of, of, the, of the podcast that we did on Sunday night. But I feel like there are a couple of reasons, potentially. Um, he so readily admits that he used shadow magic to kill his brother. Maybe she wants to keep him alive so he can go around saying that publicly to people. And she can finally restore Renly's good name and her own name and all of that stuff. Um, there might be reasons. There might be reasons. And there's, there's that piece of it, which you just raised, which I hadn't even really thought about, that maybe Stannis is alive so that there can be some sort of uh, payback on Melisandre and getting Davos on, on that same page. There's also that scene earlier in season five when Sam and Stannis are talking about Dragonglass and how there's obsidian on Dragonstone. You gotta figure that that's gonna come in handy in the war against the White Walkers, and Stannis is really the only guy who's thinking about that actively. So if you, if you have Stannis dead, are we getting to that obsidian? If you keep him alive, maybe that comes into the Watch's hands a little bit sooner. So I think that there are reasons for the show to keep Stannis around. There's reasons for him to be dead, of course. Um, one of the big ones being, I feel like, how many people can we fake kill in this finale? 
and and bring back to life. Um, so I feel like Stannis is a likelier bet to be dead than John, but I don't think it's open and shut. I wouldn't be surprised if Stannis is still around. Yeah. So what do you think is going to be happening with Stannis? Do you think that Brienne is just going to be walking around with yeah. Stannis over her shoulder? Yeah, he's going to become best friends with Brienne and Padre. Boy, it'll be great. <laughs> Better or worse, upgrade or downgrade to have Stannis as part of the Brienne and Podrick duo? Uh, upgrade. 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 I think so. Yeah. I, feel like that's, I feel like that's a good ingredient in that, uh, in that stew. Okay. So we're going to have Stannis plus Brienne plus Pod. And then what are we on the lookout for? Then we're going to run into Sansa and Theon. Is that going to be a fivesome? You could get that, and then they could all go to the wall. Uh, I think that, you know, we're going to have questions about what do we think that Sansa and Theon are up to. Um, I could see them going to the wall. Uh, Sansa knows that Jon is the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. She might turn to him for help, even though she doesn't know that he's in uh, uh, a very difficult situation himself. So I could see them going in that direction. I could see Brienne and Stannis and Podrick heading in that direction. And I have long theorized that Stannis, and I'm not the only one who has thought this, that Stannis could wind up being the 1,000th Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Oh, he'd be good at that. He'd be great at that. And, you know, right now, John is gone. 998th Lord Commander of the Night's Watch is gone. you got to assume that Alistair Thorne, or God forbid, Ollie is going to pick up the mantle next and be 999. You can't make Ollie the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. He's not even part of the Watch! Some people said that, no, he is. He's a squire, and so he took the black. Who cares? Who cares? Uh, but one of those guys, sure. You know, let's call it Alistair Thorne. He's going to be 999. He's not going to be the last guy. And you have to figure that the show is going to give us the 1,000th. I think Stannis is a great candidate for that. I saw a really interesting um, argument in defense of that on Reddit over the past couple of days that was basically saying, if Stannis becomes the leader of the Night's Watch and leads the sword in the darkness and plunges it through the heart of the White Walkers and leads the Night's Watch to victory over the, the White Walkers, then somehow, some way, Melisandre's prophecy has become true. Hmm. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, poetry to Stannis being uh, the guy at the head of the Watch by the end of this thing. So I think that that's another argument for why he might still be alive. Better Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, Stannis or Davos? Ooh, I like Davos as, as Lord Commander also, but he's more of a follower than a leader. Mm. But you I know, think I he could lead the Night's Watch. I feel like he's a good number two. Yeah, that's fair. He's a great, he's a great number two. He's a great vice principal. Yeah. I mean, what about if they put them both together? If they put them both together. Yeah, it would be a powerhouse team. That'd be great. If uh, Stannis and Davos were the new John and Sam. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, now, you turn me around on this. I'm rooting for Stannis to still be alive. I think, that the, I think it would be great if he's still alive. I think it's great if he's dead, too. I feel like it makes sense for his story. He breaks before he bends. He breaks after he's, you know, pushed himself to the limit with the whole I'm the I'm the king. I'm the rightful king. I burned my daughter for the sake of the cause. And all of that falls apart and everything fails and he just dies as a result. That makes sense, too. But I think if they keep him alive, I'm not going to be mad at it because I think that there's a lot of really cool story opportunities there as well. That being said, let's not forget that he got a pretty vicious leg wound in that sword fight. The same sort of thing that happened to ned stark where i think ned's was actually worse but i think that he's gonna be pretty gimpy we've seen people on game of thrones die from much less severe cuts than what stannis got right yeah but i mean you can you can survive being gimpy i guess so you can survive being gimpy alistair thorne got uh, a pretty bad leg wound in the at the battle of the wall and he's fine that's true that's true so, it's not the end of the world 
Um, we got a question uh, from a couple people. This is from Albert. Uh, let's, let's say Stannis is dead. Uh, who technically has the true claim to the throne right now? Uh, are there any Baratheon relatives left, and what happens if Tommen dies? Hmm. So if Tommen dies, does Cersei become the queen regent? Like, does she become... I'm not sure if I'm using the term queen regent correctly, but yeah. if there's no heir queen then... Queen the grandma. Queen, <laughs> yeah. Would it be Cersei? And then is that part of the brilliance of the High Sparrow of that he's really sort of sullied up Cersei? Wow, maybe. Um, you know what I did? What's that? I asked Antonio. What did Antonio say? I asked Antonio Mazzaro, our legal expert on all things here on Post Show Recaps and in the world of Westeros. Uh, and this is what he told me. He texted me. He said, dude, I honestly am not sure. Running it through my head, it's totally effed up. There is no one in the Robert line. Stannis would actually have a legit claim before Marjorie if Tommen dies by law, I believe. It would go king, down to king's brothers, down to king's sisters. Then it goes back up, I believe, to king's fathers, brothers, and their lines. In this case, maybe it's actually Jamie Lannister then, giving literal meaning to the hand of the king, and it actually makes sense, making his learn-to-rule-the-people travels make more sense, and making him actually killing the last king in the Targaryen line poetic, so he'd be inheriting by virtues of being Tommen's uncle. I think Stannis, if alive, if Tommen dies, actually gains a rightful claim, and that is Stannis' whole theory that the Robert Cersei kids are illegitimate, thus he is the rightful heir. If you kill them, I think he has no need to worry about their legitimacy anymore. I don't know that there's any evidence in history of a woman like Marjorie inheriting the throne. So I think if Stannis and his heirs are gone by Shireen, then it will probably revert to uncles on the king's other side, or it might revert to the oldest male son of whoever Robert's father's oldest brother is or was. I'm just not sure if it jumps to Jamie or stays only in the bloodline. If the latter, then it's worth figuring out if Robert's father had any legitimate brothers and who their kids were. You go back far enough, you get into the Targaryen, so maybe it's actually Danny too. What Gendry. do you think? Gendry's Gendry. king. Gendry. King Gendry. I like King Jamie, though. <laughs> that would be good. That'd be great. King Jamie Lannister. You don't want to explore King Gendry? You don't think that's where this is all going? I just like the King Kingslayer. <laughs> yeah. I think King Kingslayer sounds great. Uh, but I like King Gendry too. I like King Gendry too. And I, I think. Um, the problem is he's bastard born and he's got to get legitimized. Okay. So who le- who's going to legitimize him? I think that we've crossed bigger bridges than that of legitimizing Gendry. The bigger problem for Gendry is that he hasn't been on the show in two seasons. I have a theory. What's that? I think Danny is going to win the Iron Throne. You think so? And- you yeah, think that's, I do. You think that's where this is going? Yeah, I think Danny's going to win the Iron Throne, and wow. I think she's, she's going to mack it to Gendry, and I think that they're going to get married, and it's going to be Baratheon Targaryen side by side. Oh wow! How about that? That'd be a hot couple. So you think out of wow, so out of nowhere, Gendry is coming in to yes. seduce Danny. Yeah. Wow. No, no, Danny's coming in to seduce Gendry. Gendry. Oh, so, yeah. oh, so after Gendry becomes King Gendry, then Danny's going to come in and marry him. No, Danny's going to be Queen Danny, and she's going to turn him into King Gendry. Got it. Okay. Yeah. He's not kicking any game. We saw how that worked out last time. Yeah. He's, he's got an eternal fear of women from this point forward after Leechgate. After Leechgate. Yeah, they have to come to him now. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see where this all goes. It's an interesting question. Interesting question. With Stan- if Stannis is off the table, where does this go? Okay. That's good. I like that. Um, all right, Brendan Fitzpatrick wrote in, what's next for Sansa and Theon? I don't see them getting very far on foot. What's your prediction? Where are Sansa and Theon going to go? Well, did they survive the fall? Didn't they die? 
Well, that's the question. Another another person wrote in. Neumann Checkier wrote in. Dear Rob and Josh, I think you were wrong about Sansa and Theon. That jump was really high, at least as high as the one that killed Miranda. <laughs> yes. Would John's? Would, I think would, it was higher. I watched the episode again. Would Snow really cushion the impact enough to save them? I interpreted their jumping as suicide. Hmm. So did this finale just kill everybody? Yeah. Well, Sansa did say like, "Better to kill me now while there's some of me left." Yeah, well, is there none of her left because she's been splattered across the lands? I think Theon broke her fall. I think she landed on Theon, and Theon died, and then she's okay. All right, well, how about, how about this? Let's talk about the thing that actually broke Theon. This is a voicemail from Steve Davis, who has questions about that. Hey, guys, it's Steve in Los Angeles. I found it very underwhelming that the thing that puts Theon over the edge was Miranda. I mean, after everything he's been through and everything he's seen, especially with Sansa, this is the thing that ultimately breaks him. It's it doesn't track. It just it wasn't that intense of a scene, and you thought it would be building to something much greater. And again, it was another underwhelming part of the finale. Okay. Wow. What do you think about that? Miranda was the thing that broke Theon. I don't think it was in a vacuum, Miranda. I do think that it was a culmination of everything that's been going on at Winterfell this season. Yeah. You think that Miranda was just the cherry on top? Yeah, because she's so mean and he just had enough. Hate Miranda. (laughs) Yeah. Never been a Miranda fan. (laughs) Yeah. She was very mean. She was. And what was she going to do? Just like put an arrow through Sansa's arms? Yeah, she was just going to maim her. And mutilate her. Like, I can't imagine that Ramsay is going to come back and be pleased about that. Like, uh, like, oh, you know, your pretty wife? Like, uh, well, she's a pincushion now. I put it, uh, so don't worry, she could still have a baby. Right. Yeah, you don't imagine he'd be pumped about that. He's like, well, well Miranda, Miranda seems like she's at the edge of her rope at that point anyway. Yeah. Yeah. If I was Ramsay, I think I wouldn't even be too mad about the whole, oh, Miranda's gone? Okay, well, she was kind of kooky anyway. But he's I guess prob- he likes that. He's probably a lot angrier that uh, Sansa and Theon have either run away or are suicided at the bottom of a snow hill. Probably, probably. But I think they're okay. It didn't bum me out. You know, I was happy to have a break in that storyline. I know a lot of people were really bummed out about the Ramsey, Sansa, Theon storyline this season. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Sansa's sister. Let's talk about Arya Stark. Let's take a voicemail from Shandy, who has a question about the harshness of Jake and Hagar's penalties toward Arya in the finale. Hey, Robin Josh. This is Shandy calling from Monterey, California. I have a bone to pick with Jake and Hagar. I get that the world of Game of Thrones is not fair. I get it. But Jake and Hagar knew that Arya was not ready to become no one. And although Arya is a badass assassin, she's still super young. So making her blind because she killed Marin Trant, which, let's face it, was righting a cosmic wrong in the world, it just seems unfair. The waif, who we learn is also Jake and Hagar, uh, said Arya was not ready. So then why send her on a mission you know she'll fail and punish her when she inevitably does? It just seems like Arya got tried and sentenced as an adult when really she should have been sent to juvie, if anything. Also, do you think Jake knows about Needle? Does Needle still have a role to play, or was its entombment just meant to show us that a girl was not ready to become no one? All right, I'm excited to see what you guys have to say. Thanks. All right, Rob, what do you think? Is Jack and Hagar being a jackass in his punishment here with Arya? I think for Jake and Hagar, I think it's all part of the plan for him. I don't think Arya is permanently blinded. I think that he's teaching her a lesson. 
And I think this is all part of the Mr. Miyagi-esque training. This is like if Daniel's son took the bonsai tree and went and like tried to go impress some people with uh, what you know Mr. Miyagi stuff, and he tried to put it back, and then Mr. Miyagi be like, uh, "Daniel, son, <laughs> like that's it." Because so this is a slap on the wrist. I think it's more than a slap on the wrist, but I think it's a slap. Slap on the eyes is more than a slap on the wrist. More so than I think of anything that is permanent to Arya. I don't uh-huh. believe that's going to be the case. I don't think we'll be dealing with blind Arya the rest of the way. You don't think that we're going to have blind Arya forever? Not forever. Would that be the worst thing? Wouldn't be the worst thing, but I think that that would be a... I'm not sure how you would get around the rest of her story with blind Arya in this world. Somebody hasn't seen Daredevil. Right. <laughs> I guess so. I guess that's that's fair. That's fair. So I, I don't know. Maybe look, Game of Thrones has done a lot of crazy things. Maester Aemon, I believe, is the only blind character that we have. So maybe, maybe we don't blind even have Arya. him anymore. Yeah. So maybe yeah. she had to fulfill like we needed. There always needs to be one blind person in Game of Thrones. I feel like Daredevil Arya could be awesome. Certainly, Daria Devil. <laughs> I think oh. so. I think that'd be good. I'd watch it. I'd watch it too. All right, well, let's let's stick with Arya. Let's go back to our Philly. Our Philly sent in a voicemail uh, with with a with a question about how far the show seems to be taking Arya and whether or not we can go along for the ride. So let's hear from our Philly. Hey, what up, Robin Josh? This is Rich Filiberto, your boy our Philly out here in the interwebs. So there's a million questions I'd love to ask you guys this week, but I feel compelled to inquire as to my single favorite fictional character of all time, the young Arya Stark. Uh I think that George Martin just created such a fully realized character in Arya, and I think that the show really lucked out in acquiring Maisie Williams, who's turned out to be just an extraordinary young talent that brings the character to life so vividly every time she's on screen for us. But that being said, we know how sympathetic characters are are kind of few and far between on Thrones, and as each season goes by, their ranks dwindle significantly. So after having watched her brutally mutilate the wretch Marin Trant on Sunday night, I just wonder as to whether or not you guys think that, that, that she's a character that the audience is going to be able to continue to root for as we move towards the culmination of our story, or if her time with such magnificent role models as the Hound and the Faceless Men has just brought her too far away from that poor young kid who watched her father lose his head in King's Landing way back in season one. Thank you guys so much for all the great coverage this season. It really has been a treat, and I'm totally looking forward to the Throners. Have a good one, guys. All right, I too, I too am looking forward to the Throners. Um, yes. But let's let's dig into this a little bit because listen, we love Arya. Arya is incredible. Yes, but is she going too far to the dark side? Is that is that the direction the story is going? Are they going to plunge her completely into darkness, or are we still going to be able to root for Arya when all is said and done? Are you saying that Arya has been running with the wrong crowd for too long? It seems like she's been running with a bad crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she's running with a bad crowd. That is for sure. Really, you could listen. You know, off. and that that can be um, the end of everything for a good kid. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Well, she's still running with a bad crowd. I mean, yeah. Jake and Hagar is not exactly the best role model. And not for nothing, is there even a Jake and Hagar anymore? I'm so confused about what happened in that scene. Still. We are all Jake and Hagar. Underneath our faces, we all look like Jake and Hagar. Was there an Arya 2? What about an Arya 3? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's very confusing. Very confusing. But yeah, even Jake and Hagar is a bit of a douche. Can Arya come back from this? That's the question. I mean, I, I, I do wonder, and I, I often wonder about this. Is, is the show trying to um, 
is the show and even the books. It's just the story that is being told here with Arya. Is it to get us to a point where we no longer root for her? Um, is she just going to become unrecognizably monstrous in terms of who she's been hanging out with and the influences they've had on her and the killings that she commits going forward? Do you think that by the end of this thing, Arya will be closer to the to the like the young scrappy kid that we were rooting for in the beginning or is she really just going to go into monster mode here it's a great question because i don't even know what a happy ending for aria looks like not to say that we're ever yeah. going to get happy endings on game of thrones i think that's sort of the thing about vengeance it's like you could spend your whole life looking for vengeance and then when you get it it's like okay now what now what do yeah. you do yeah you speak from experience right I'm not a vengeful person, I don't think, but I do see not anymore. the folly. Why? <laughs> Who was I trying to get revenge on? I'm not saying it on the air. Okay. But I, I do know. think that it is a short-sighted goal because once you get that, then, then what do you do with the rest of your life? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that's the question at the heart of basically every revenge story. Uh, any, any good revenge story is asking that question because that is the nature of revenge. Uh, and, you know, actually, when you think about it, the Faceless Men are, at the very least, trying to move her away from revenge. Yeah. Right? You know, they're trying to say, you're not Arya. You're nobody. Uh, nobody has enemies because you're no one. Uh, stop being so concerned with the Marin Trance of the world. Yeah. So that's at least a positive. But they're still, you know, trying to impart that lesson by having her kill other people. Right. They're saying, hey, you're a good killer. Why don't we yeah. focus and channel your killing on these things like you could come up with lots of ways that Sansa could eventually have a happy ending where she sort of like meets a nice guy where she could be the lady of Winterfell or some other place and I think that she would be happy with that life I'm not sure if Arya has that sort of happy ending the only thing I could go to go back to King Gendry if you could somehow reunite Arya with Gendry somewhere along the way yeah That'd be nice. Coming. Yeah. That, would she be Queen Arya? I guess so. Oh my god. I don't know if she's suited for it. <laughs> yeah. Just to be honest, I don't think that's really her thing. I don't think that's her thing. So Watch yeah. her become the queen and Sansa just becomes like a badass assassin. Yeah. So I don't know how the Arya story ends. I'm hoping that this blindness is a short-term thing though. Yeah. Like it just, just teaches her a lesson and then she can go back and you know, have some sort of a nice ending to her story all right well you you brought up king gendry let's go to king's landing let's talk about cersei lannister and the walk of shame 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 that she was on let's take a voicemail from omri hey guys how's it going this is omri from jerusalem first of my name i want to talk about the walk of shame so during the walk we could really see so many emotions going through cersei she started defiant with her back threat and ended up sobbing in front of the red keep on her knees and when the mountain picked her up, though, we could see some of that Cersei look back in her eyes. So my question is, how do you think uh, having that ordeal would affect Cersei in the long run? Would it make her maybe think on who she is and maybe confront that? Or would it make, simply make her more angry? Thanks, guys, for a great season, and I'll see you at the Throners. Yeah, see you at the Throners, Amri. We've got, you're getting your tickets. Uh, you're handing them out already, right? Like you're getting your comps out. Amri has a comp ticket from me. Oh, wow. See, I didn't even get mine. You haven't gotten yours yet? No. Ooh, that's awkward. Yeah. You should look into that. I'm you should look have into those that. by now. You should have those by now. Okay. All right. Well, I'll call, make a call after this is make over. Make a call after this. All right. What do you think about this? Which Cersei are we going to get in season six? Are we going to get a Cersei who has, uh, you know, kind of 
rediscovered herself, has has looked inside and doesn't like what she sees and is going to turn over a new leaf, or are we just going to get like super effing angry Cersei just killing everybody? Yeah, I don't know if we have any evidence to support that she is a changed person. I feel like this atonement that she was forced to do was something that she was pushed into and something that she just made her more angry and spiteful and really channeled her anger towards the faith militant, I think, and the peasants much more so than anything. She's like, oh my God, I see the light. I've made some terrible decisions. Yeah. Well, you know, she's her face is crumbling by the end of this thing. She is quaking with with tears and just emotion and all this stuff. And when she gets through to the Red Keep, she just crumbles into the Mountainstein's arms. Uh, so you gotta you gotta figure that you know there has been a change, but the change that you know what exactly the change is, I guess, is really the question. Is it uh, that she has sort of softened a little bit that this broke her or did this harden her did this just make her even crazier than ever before uh that's gonna be a really fun thread to pick up on in what season six i i feel like um it's so fun i get to find I out what you think i know so so i think i think that she's gonna go full tilt mm. i th- I, th- I think that we are gonna get cersei unchained and i think that it's gonna be very bad and potentially short-lived um, I think that Cersei's days are numbered, uh, but I think that Tommen probably has to die first for the Maggie the Frog uh, prophecy to come true. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think all her all her kids have to die, and then she's going to die just in overwhelming grief. Mm. But first, she's going to take out a whole lot of people. I think that the mountain scene is going to demolish the High Sparrow, and it's going to be beautiful. And then, what do you think about Jamie? Where does he land in all that? Then, if Cersei is gone. What does an ending to the story look like for Jamie? Uh, people have predicted that Jamie could be the one to kill Cersei. Um, that, that that could be the direction that goes. And I don't know about that. Uh, I kind of like that. Uh, where would Jamie go? I don't know. I don't know where Jamie would go. Maybe to the wall. So many people got to go to the wall. Everybody's going to go to the wall? Everyone's got to go to the wall. That's where all the action is these days. Winter is coming. Winter it's like the is worst coming. place to be. I know. Well, winter's coming everywhere, so you may as well go to where where it all started. Go to OG winter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I think I think that's where we're going ending. with Cersei. I think that Cersei will not have a happy ending. I don't think that she's going to find any inner peace. I think what this story accomplishes is when she does go on like some kind of murder rampage, you're at least inside of her head a little bit more, and you get where she's coming from. You kind of get the madness that's going on in her head a little bit more than we used to. Um, at least that's what the book accomplishes. I, I don't know if the show accomplished that this season for too many people, but for me, the book really accomplished that where I kind of felt for Cersei in a way that I hadn't felt for her before. I don't think that that means that she's going to have some sort of transformation and be a hero at, at the end of this. I do think that she'll just get worse and worse and worse, but you'll kind of understand where she's coming from in that. Okay. What about okay. the happy ending for Jamie is that he's the head of the Kingsguard for Daenerys. That'd be all right. Uh, and Tyrion is part of the small council. Some sort of a reconciliation yeah. with Tyrion. Yeah, I'm into it. Feeling okay. it. Like that. I love this storybook happy ending that we're writing for everybody. I know. It's not going to be this happy. Yeah. It's like there the isn't even be, finale. There isn't even going to be an Iron Throne at the end of this thing. <laughs> they're just going to melt it down? They're going to melt it down. No, they're going to freeze it over. There will be no Iron Throne. Everyone will be covered in snow and it'll be awful. Oh, wow. Yeah, it'll be great. The White Walkers win. Uh... It'll be great. Okay. Yeah. Night's King sitting on the Iron Throne covered in snow. 
Wow. Prediction. I like it. Yeah, that's the that's the opposite ending of the happy book, happy storybook ending. Uh, let's talk about Tyrion. Let's go to Meereen for a second, and let's uh, hear it from Andrew from Ireland. Left us a voicemail uh, about what we should start to think about with Tyrion next year. Hey guys, this is Andrew calling in from Ireland. So this episode, I, which I really enjoyed, um, was very serious and very uh, depressing. Really, um, lots of main characters are dead or are not in a great state. Um, But I think the saddest thing for me, and I just want to ask you this question, is that I think season six may be the most upsetting season for Tyrion because do you guys not think he's going to just be third wheeling with uh, Missandei and Grey Worm for the entire season? Thanks, guys. Mm. What do we think? Is Tyrion doomed to be a third wheel for the rest of his days? (sighs) It's a good point. Hopefully, we're seeing this much more from the behind the scenes of like what Tyrion and Varys are doing. Like, I know in the original creation of like the West Wing, I think it was supposed to be that you were never going to see the president. It was always just going to be like, okay, all like the behind the scenes thing. And then Martin Sheen got involved and they made him a big focus of the story. But I would much prefer it if we're just seeing like the Tyrion and Varys part of this and just leaving, you know, Grey Worm and Missande. Maybe we see Tyrion like hand a index card to Grey Worm or do you think Grey Worm is going to have a teleprompter? <laughs> and then everyone's going to get on Grey Worm that he relies on the teleprompter too much? I don't know that they've got teleprompters in uh, Meereen. What's the marine version of a teleprompter? The, I don't think the technology is there yet. <laughs> What's like the Flintstones teleprompter? Uh, I think you have like another unsullied is out of viewpoint for the audience and Grey Worm is lip reading the other unsullied. Okay, that's good. I would like that. But hopefully Tyrion is going to be much more the focus of the story than uh, Missandei. Yeah, you got to imagine. You got to imagine that's how it's going to be. Man, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how long we spend there, too. Like, is this going to be a full season of Tyrion and Varys workshopping Meereen and making Grey Worm and Missandei out to be these great leaders that everyone's going to root for? Or are we going to wrap that up quick? Uh, Because I feel like this will be, you know, let's let's call it a full season in Meereen in season six. That's going to be two and a half, three seasons of Meereen. It's a Mm -hmm. lot of Meereen. Yeah. Do you think that Danny will get to Westeros in season six or is that just going to be all like we're going to put it off, put it off, put it off. And then it's going to be like, you know, three episodes left in the series and then she gets there. You know, at this point, at the pace that the story has gone, you got to imagine that it is going to take forever. You know, it's already taken forever. It's taken this long that I feel like the point of the story is going to be everyone converges on the same place pretty close to the end which sounds really frustrating, but could be really fun if the journey is worthwhile. Um, I would love to see Daenerys in Westeros next season. I kind of thought that they were going to skip this Dothraki Sea ending at the end of her story in A Dance with Dragons and just have her be in Westeros when when we were watching that scene unfold until the Dothraki showed up. I really thought that's where we were going. Uh, Apparently, whatever happens with her next with the Dothraki is important enough that the show isn't fast-forwarding through that stuff. Um, So my guess is I don't think we're getting Danny in Westeros until very close to the end of next season, if not season seven. So what do you think is going to come out of that? Is 
Danny going to get the Dothraki on her yeah. side, and then the Dothraki yes. are going to come in and then help the Unsullied take out the Masters. And yes, okay, yeah, I think they're going to stabilize Marine, and then she is going to have uh, bolstered forces to take over to Westeros. Okay, so the Dothraki are coming to Westeros too. Yeah, man, finally. About time. What do they want in Westeros? Well, they don't want to cross the Narrow Sea because that scares them. Yeah. They don't like that. They're going to fulfill the promise of the Dothraki going across the Narrow Sea from back in season one. Okay. That's my prediction. That's my call. I'm sticking to it. I don't even remember that prophecy. Yeah. Well, it wasn't prophecy. It's just what Khal Drogo wanted to do. Okay. And granted, these aren't Khal Drogo's guys, but I feel like just for uh, the sake of symmetry, I feel like that's where we're going. I feel like we could let the Dothraki have Marine because the Unsullied, what are they going to do? I'd be okay. I'd be okay yeah. with that. So but there I you mean, go. You get some, some Dothraki is into, uh, into the land of Red Weddings and it won't be a dull affair. That's true. So let's sure. bring them over. I think it could be fun. Uh, I guess we should talk about Dorne a little. Okay. Do we have to? We should. We should. We should a little bit. We, just, we have a couple questions basically on the, on the cliffhanger that we were left in with, with Dorne and Marcella and yada, yada, yada. And uh, we have a question in from Tom Oosterbrook, who says, so the Sand Snakes killed Marcella while their heir to Dorne is on the same ship. What do you guys think is going to happen to him? He's a dead man, right? How stupid are the Sand Snakes for killing Marcella with Tristane being in Lannister custody? They probably killed him, and they're going to kill themselves if Prince Doran hears of this. Yeah. This was not a well-thought-out plan. It's a bad plan. Sort of like everything in Dorne. Yeah. It was not thought all the way through. Uh, yeah, I think that they're in big trouble. Although, uh, this is a, this is a remark from Farrell Covell who wrote in and said, wasn't Jamie on a Dornish ship with a Dornish crew? So unless he and Bronn can take the ship, Tristane would be calling the shots on where the ship would be going. And Jamie may again be a hostage in Dorn. Oh, that's a nightmare scenario. That is a nightmare scenario. Yeah. What do you think that they would do? Would the Dornish crew turn the ship around? Oh my God, please no. Turn the ship around. Oh, God. Yeah. Something interesting that I found out recently is that, so Jamie wasn't even in Dorne in the books? Nope. What? Nope. nope. What's I he told doing? You, the Dorne the story on the show is ridiculously different from this, the story in the books. So what's uh, going the, on in the books? It's just the Sand Snakes are just mad? In the books, the Sand Snakes are a lot cooler. They're scattered in very different directions. There's a Sand Snake that's undercover somewhere. There's a Sand Snake who's going to make their way to the small council in Tristane's shoes. And there is no Tristane. There's a character named Quentin Martell, and he is on his way to somewhere else that he is clearly not on the show. Uh, I don't want to say too much in case the Doran story ever ties in to what it does um, in the books on the show. Because it actually is really fun. And it involves a whole bunch of characters that have not been introduced on the show. And I think it's probably too late for them. But just in case, I don't want to say too much. Um, the Doran story is a lot better in the books. The Doran story sucked on the show. Mm-hmm. Just straight up, it was not fun. Hey, you want a good story, but you need a bad plot line. <laughs> That's what I heard. Uh, did you just lick my face after that? Yep. God damn it. Now, why didn't Alaria Sand kiss Jamie Lannister on the lips? I don't know. That would have been great. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. That would have sucked. That would have been upset about that. Yeah, you'd think that she would have kissed him on the lips and Braun on the lips. Anybody. Like, oh, this is what we do in Dorne. Oh, it was so great having you here. Mwah. Oh, you were such a great guest. Mwah. Kisses for you too, Braun. Mwah. Kisses. Kisses for everybody. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Yeah. Everyone's poisoned. Everyone's dead. Hilarious Sand kisses Doran Martell on the face. 
Alaria Sand has killed all of her enemies and is now the Queen of Dorne. Why not? That's such a better plan. Queen or Princess of Dorne? That's a ha- she, what a half measure. <laughs> princess, I guess. But what a half measure. Yeah. You don't just go half kissies. You got to go full kissies. Why not? Why not? Uh, that was really stupid. Oh, yeah. Man. The whole Dorne thing just really pisses me off. We'll see what happens. Is Braun in Dorne in the books? No. Hmm. We don't really see Braun again after he leaves Tyrion, uh, before Tyrion uh, gets, um, while Tyrion's on trial. That final scene with Braun and Tyrion is the last time you see Braun in the book so far. You okay. hear about Braun marrying Lala Stokeworth, but you yes. don't see it. You don't see it. Okay. So, I don't know. But yeah, if Jamie goes back to Dorne, I'm out. I won't be back next year. You're out? You're going to stop watching the show? I'll stop. I'm out. Okay. What if Jon Snow comes back and goes to Dorne? Oh, God. Get me out of here. <laughs> okay. No. No, thank you. I'm out. All right. Not into it. Not feeling it. All right. Let's start wrapping this thing up. Uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Littlefinger. Littlefinger didn't show up in the finale. No. Alex, Alex Chester says, We got to see almost everyone we wanted in the season finale. Welcome back, Varys. But how could we not have seen Littlefinger... The man who is secretly behind everything that's happening in Westeros, south of the wall, and he's nowhere to be seen. Uh, yeah, not to, not to spoil anything if you haven't already gone over to Throners.com, but Littlefinger's in the running for the Purple Kelly Award for Most Invisible Edit. Whoa. And I'm as surprised as anybody. Wow. I'm surprised. But uh, it, was a, it was a quiet year for Littlefinger once he disappeared. Mm, yeah. Tough competition. Tough competition. I think that uh, Varys is the person to beat there. I think so, too. You got to imagine that Varys. Varys is in four episodes. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the guys we were most excited to see this season. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a real bummer. But Littlefinger just, you know, he dropped off the map for the last half of the season. That kind of sucked. Yeah. It did. It did. I love Littlefinger. I love Varys. I wish that they were on the show more. And I don't know. What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You think that he's heading to Winterfell season six? I don't know where he's going. Like I, his original plan was that he was going to be you know, taking the Knights of the Eyrie to go to Winterfell to overtake whoever came out of the Stannis versus the Boltons. But I don't think the Boltons took on too much damage there. No, they looked pretty good. Yeah. Like the Knights of the Eyrie might come out on top of that. Yeah. You think that the Knights of the Eyrie might win against the Boltons? I think that the Boltons might come out on top there. Because they're just like, they're so used to the weather. And right. The harsh, well, the harsh and conditions. They're going to have home field advantage, too. Right. Yeah, they're going to have home field advantage. And, but what if, the, what if the area is like, yo, we're here for Sansa. We're here for Sansa Stark. Don't you think that the rest of the North would be like, oh, sweet. Yeah, that sounds fun. Let's revolt against the, the Boltons. Yeah. That's one thing that the, that the Littlefinger army has that the Baratheons never had. They've got Stark support. I guess so. You get that Stark support, and uh, everyone's going to come wanting to get in on that action. Yeah, it's not easy to get. No, it's really not. Okay. Um, let's look ahead also next season. Uh, Dave Baker wrote in, how do you guys think that Bran and Hodor are going to be worked into season six? So a full season passed without a single sighting of Bran and Hodor. Uh, our, our guess from last season is, I guess, as good as it's going to get for, for next season. What do you think? What, what are we going to see from Bran and Hodor? I think we're going to cut to Bran, who's going to be like a foot taller, and he's going to be able to be... I think we're going to see a big jump in his powers. I think we're going to uh-huh. start to see like that he's able to do this and able to do all these uh, crazy things. Hodor is going to be pretty bored. Like, Hodor. Bored door. Yeah. And so I think that we'll see that Bran is like ready to go. 
this is almost like in maybe we go to Return of the Jedi and now Luke has like gone back or is like black jumpsuit. Yeah, he's learned a bunch of stuff from Yoda. Yeah. Black glove. Yes. Ready single, to go. Single black glove. Single. Ready to go. Ready to go. Green lightsaber. Yeah. Is Bran going to have a lightsaber? I hope so. That'd be cool. Um, are you more excited about Bran and Hodor going into season six because we've had them on the bench for a full season that this leap in power set could make that storyline more interesting? Hmm. Sure. I mean, if he comes back and he has cool powers and he's ready to go. Sure. I feel like we're at that point in the story. I feel like it's time for the cool powers to come out to play. Yeah, I think so. Let's that do this. Be, that could be really great. Let's that do this, Bran. Let's do it, Bran. All right, let's wrap up here with a voicemail from Jason Weatherholtz, uh, who wants to see if you and I are going to have a difference of opinion on something. Hey, guys, this is Jason Weatherholtz from Maryland, and I want to know what you guys think. Will season six debut before the Winds of Winter novel comes out? And if you have differing opinions, that'll be great because we will finally know who the knowingest snow-it-all is. Thanks, guys. Yeah. There you go. All right. That's what he wants to find out. Who's the snowingest snow-it-all? Is the Winds of Winter going to come out before Season 6 or after slash during Season 6? Well, I really am very uneducated about this. You know, I uh-huh. really don't have a strong take on this. I my sense is that they want it to but the question is will it right um so um, this is off the top of my head dates might not be totally correct a game of thrones comes out in 1996 mm-hmm. a clash of kings comes out in 1998 a storm of swords comes out in 2000 a feast for crows comes out i think 2004 or five yeah and then a dance of dragons didn't come out until 2011 hmm. that was a long break uh, there was a lot of hope that Winds of Winter would come out pretty soon after Dance, at least you know two, maybe three years afterwards. It's been four years at this point. Yeah. So you know it depends. You know, Mr. Martin insists that he is right, right, writing. Uh, that he's canceled ap- appearances. He's not writing screenplays. He's not writing scripts for for Game of Thrones episodes. He seems to be focusing as much as possible on the books. Uh, could he drop Winds of Winter before season six comes out? He says that that has been his intention all this time, that he really wants that to happen. I'm going to be optimistic and say it's going to happen. I think that this is going to happen. I think that people who read the books will know what happens in the Winds of Winter before that material fully materializes on season six of Game of Thrones. I suspect that it will also. I'm sorry that I can't disagree. I just think there's too much money on the line here. You know, this is such a big franchise. HBO's making all this money. If it comes down to whether it's people, you know, George R. R. Martin has people working for him, writing mm-hmm. drafts, and, and just helping with anything he needs. I just would have to imagine that there's so much riding on this. And for the show to be in production, they have to already know what's going to happen in the story. So I think that it's got to be done. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the turnaround from when he like hits the the end or whatever to then it getting printed is. I'm not sure how fast they can do that. But yeah. if it comes out like, oh, Winds of Winter is gonna, you know, release on the day that Game of Thrones season six is gonna start or the Tuesday before. I don't know what day book, books come out. I think it's gonna be pretty close. 
I think it's going to be close. I think it could be this year. I think it could be December. I, I feel like it could be in time for the holidays this year. Um, I do think if it doesn't come out before season six, I think it's going to be a long time before we see that book. Mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's one or the other. Like, I think we're going to see it before season six, or we are going to have a very long wait before that book comes out, if it ever comes out at all. Yeah. You know, something that I learned about George R.R. R. Martin this week that really shed a lot of light on his influences is that George R.R. R. Martin is a Mets fan. Is that true? Yep. Wow, I didn't know that. I knew he was a Jets and Giants fan. Yes. And so as a Mets fan, I think he's really gleaned a lot of like tragic endings and pain and suffering. I think he's worked that all into his story. You can recognize a lot of the pain in this material now. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I identify with George R. R. Martin so much. And he's a Jets and Giants fan? Yeah, he likes them both. I don't know which one he likes more. I believe he likes one more than the other. I think I think he I think he likes the Giants more than the Jets. But then again, I know nothing about sports, Josh Snow. Yeah. All right, Josh. All right, Rob. That's it. Final feedback show. Boom. It's books. It's in the books. In the books. Throners. The Throners. How do people vote? How do people vote? You go to Throners.com or thethroners.com. You vote there. Uh, it will be very easy. You will see lots of options. There are 15 categories to vote from this season. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a show. Make sure to vote before June 30th. Voting is going to close at noon on June 30th, noon Eastern on June 30th. So there will only be uh, there will be a few hours after that where I will be uh, tallying the votes. Thanks to the tabulator, by the way, for setting up the poll for the Throners. Uh, as always, the tabulator is the man with that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so we will be counting votes from noon until showtime, and it will be a hell of a time. All right. Well, we are looking forward to hearing your comments on the feedback show at postshowrecaps.com. Uh, Josh, what else is coming up on Post Show Recaps? Well, Game of Thrones is done, but HBO's Sunday Night lineup is still thriving. I know that you and Antonio Mazzaro are going to be getting together to talk about the series premiere of Ballers. <laughs> ballers, because right? we ballers. are Ballers. Yeah, you are Ballers. Uh, so Antonio, I know, is excited about that. You guys will be doing a podcast about that. And also, Antonio... Just the premiere. Just, just the premiere right now. Just the, for now. Uh, Antonio and myself and Jeremiah Panhorst, we just recorded a preview of True Detective Season 2, which is going to be premiering this coming Sunday night. And we are going to be doing uh, recaps of every single episode all along the way here for Season 2 of True Detective. The three of us are going to be getting together on Monday nights to record that so that we have a little bit of breathing room from the time that the episode ends to the time that we get on the air so that we can sound quasi-intelligent. We're never going to sound fully intelligent, uh, but we will do our best impression of smart people. Um, so that's what's coming up right now. Okay. All right. Well, great job here, Josh. We have a hashtag. Uh, we've got some, I feel like we've got some ways to go. We could go hashtag snow way. <laughs> snow way? I like that. Uh, we could do hashtag King Kingslayer or hashtag King Gendry. Now, Snow Way, I like it in theory, but I feel like it's the opposite of what you're saying. Yeah. Um, well, Snow Way, in terms of the lies that everyone is trying to tell us that Jon Snow is dead. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. Snow Way, and it refers to the lies of the production of the Game of Thrones producers. Yeah. All right. Sounds stop, good. Stop lying to me. Come on. Yeah. All right, so uh, we can't wait to come back for the Throners. Looking forward to hearing what you have to say on PostureRecaps.com. Follow Josh on Twitter if you want to get all of his breaking Game of Thrones stories and everything else. He's at Round Howard. 
hot takes on Game of hot Thrones. Hot takes. Yes. Hot takes from hot Josh Pye something. I'm at Rob Sister. Thank you for all your support this season of all of the Game of Thrones content that we've done and that Josh has done. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, it's been fantastic. You guys are always rock stars, and this season especially, you guys have been terrific. Yes. All right, and take care, everybody. Bye.